Hello and welcome to Master My Garden podcast, the podcast that helps you master your own garden with useful tips, advice and know-how as you go on the way and journey of mastering your own garden. I'm your host John Jones and it's a pleasure to be with you here today. So let's get stuck in to this week's episode. How's it going everybody? Welcome to episode number 11 of Master My Garden podcast. Now the last couple of episodes have been interview type episodes so this week we're going back to just me on my own and we're covering a topic that has been requested by a good few listeners so it's basically talking about how we garden on either difficult sites or in areas of the garden that are difficult to garden in. So really what we're talking about here is we're talking about cold and exposed sites. We're talking about exposed coastal areas and that one I don't particularly know a lot about myself so I have asked somebody for a little bit of advice on that one because I don't live anywhere near the sea. I've never actually planted a garden or had anything to do with a garden near the sea. So as I say I, I didn't really know much about that one but as I said I think in episode one if I don't know the answer to a question I'll talk to somebody who does. So I have a nice bit of information gathered on that but I did get help from a friend of mine who's in the nursery business for years called Finton Keane and he would be very very familiar with well, basically planting in all types of areas but he would have knowledge of, of coastal areas which is great. We also talk about gardening in wet ground, shaded areas and finally we'll talk about gardening on slopes. So they're all, they're all difficult, either difficult sites or difficult areas within your own garden. Now if you have an area like that or a site like that it can be quite frustrating, it can be a little bit disheartening and it can also be costly. So if you have particular plants that you're trying to grow and you plant them into whatever area or site that you're talking about, that we're talking about and you don't have success and maybe the plant dies, then obviously that can be costly but it can be extremely frustrating and it can lead to people giving up. But 99% of the time there is always some plant or other that will grow in the area and what we really need to do is to establish some plants and then add to it over time. It's highly unlikely that you will have a site like that or an area like that that you will move into today, do a complete planting job and have a new garden tomorrow off the back of that. It's something that will need to develop over time and we'll go into the reasons why uh, very shortly but it's something that will develop over time and something that you will add to over time and you'll piece the puzzle together in order for you to master that particular site. So for me here on, on the garden that we have, it's, um, it's a particularly, I won't say it's a bad site, no, not at all. It's uh, quite a decent, well, the soil is quite good. Uh, plants grow quite well in it. The biggest challenge we have here is that we're quite high above sea level. So we get a couple of things. We get quite late frosts, which is a big challenge. And then we also get, even though we're, we're high above sea level, the actual site that I'm, or the garden that I'm, on is in a sort of a valley so we get a cold wind quite regularly it's also something that I've noticed over the last couple of years there seems to be a wind quite constantly that maybe wasn't there years ago and I don't know what the reasoning for that is there's lots of possible explanations but there seems to be a wind a kind of a constant wind um, there a lot of the time 
and that brings its own challenges. And an example of that is we've always wanted to have a Japanese maple in the garden and obviously I know that they need uh, a relatively sheltered spot so getting it to grow here was going to be a challenge. So about two years ago planted it into what would be the area of the garden with the most shelter so essentially it was behind behind another sort of a building which is the dog house essentially and it would get good shelter there and the soil was quite good so I said it was worth a chance so we planted it about two years ago and the first year it did okay no major problems but then February 2019 we got record high temperatures pretty much I forget exactly what it was but it was certainly up around 20 degrees and it was very very warm for February we had a really early spring and what happened was the Japanese maple basically responded accordingly and burst into growth it looked absolutely fantastic loads of new shoots loads of new leaves vibrant colors vigorous growth then we moved into March and what happened was a really really cold snap with a cold wind came and that pretty much lasted all through March April and almost to the end of May and I don't know if you remember back to that time but there was there was no grass growth lots of plants were got very badly damaged with wind burn and you know even hardy things like uh, beach beach hedges for example got wind burn and essentially the whole spring was a kind of a fall spring so we got that warm February and then followed by this really long cold snap which led to little or no grass growth for farmers and all the wind burning gardens that I'm talking about but the Japanese maple then with all this fresh lush growth started to struggle and it limped along there it, it wasn't dead or anything like it but it was definitely struggling you could see all the new leaves were getting burnt more and more as the weeks went by and then what really finished it was we got a late frost so around the 4th or 5th of May there was a really heavy uh, night frost and it basically finished off any of the leaves that were there and the Japanese maple just never recovered and died. Now, uh, it was really frustrating because obviously it's a relatively expensive plant, number one, but number two, it had given a sort of false hope where I looked at it in February and I said, wow, this is gonna actually, this is gonna work. And we were into the second year of it, so it wasn't, it wasn't as if it had just been planted, but it died anyway and yeah, so I still don't have a Japanese maple in the garden now. Stubbornness will probably kick in and more than likely I will try again because it's something that I really do want to have. But what I might do is down the line wait until the garden is more mature and maybe there's more spots for filtering the wind, breaking the wind before it hits it and try and give it some sort of a, almost create a sort of a microclimate. But I haven't given up on it. <laughs> At the same time that late frost did the exact same thing to a, quite a nice wedding cake tree that had pretty much done the same thing so it was it was planted in the lawn it was going to be a feature plant in the lawn the exact same thing happened the lush growth came in february and then all the way through march april and may we had this wind and then that late frost that i'm talking about actually did the same thing to the wedding cake tree and they're quite a hardy tree they're not that easy to kill but that's what happened here so the point being every site has its challenges some are obviously more challenging than others but it's important to to find out what you can get to work and don't 
necessarily think that because it didn't didn't work on day one that that's it you can't ever try it again over time you might be able to create as i say a little microclimate and that might allow you to try something in there or add something in so that's the first thing and um, the the other tip and i think it's really important is that if you're starting to garden on a site that's difficult have a look in the local area talk to gardeners in the local area see what else is growing well because if you can see that there's this type of plant and that type of plant growing nearby and they're doing really well well then there's a good chance that that's going to work for you the other thing to take advantage of if you have people locally who are who are gardeners they will more than likely know or have a good feeling and especially the older gardeners they'll have they'll have seen it over a long number of years they'll have seen the different changes in weather and the different changes in patterns over the years so they'll pr pretty much have seen a lot that you might necessarily see in a one or two year period as you start into a garden so talk to the older gardeners see what works ask them what plants they recommend what ones they say to avoid and okay it's okay to trial things for yourself and try out these things for yourself but lean on them for a little bit of advice as well which is good so that's the first thing the second tip then is whatever that difficult area is is there anything that you can do structurally before you start planting to improve the situation so for example if we're talking about a, an exposed site is there a shelter belt that you could plant possibly prior to to getting started with your garden or is there an artificial shelter belt that you can add around the outside maybe that will filter the wind and those things will give you little bits of help now they're not going to solve the problem because an exposed site you can't just stop the wind it, it if it's an exposed site it's going to be exposed but what you can do is you can create these little layers that filter the wind for example on, a, on an exposed site same for if you're on a slope site possibly you can you can build a little retaining wall that might lessen the slope so you might be able to come up a couple of feet and then that will allow you to lessen the slope which will make it less challenging you can also add rocks maybe on a, on a on a slope build them into the bank and that will create as i say little breaks in it it'll change the, the look of it number one so you'll have this kind of change in features which inevitably will lead to little areas where you might be able to get it a little alpine to grow over the rock and it'll just change the dynamic that you're not just planting blanket plank planting one type of plant across the bank so it's important to think of those little things if it's a really really wet site is there any possibility to have a drain or two that might help the situation prior to you getting started. So they're, they're the kind of tips that you need to think of prior to starting. So now that you've spoken to local gardeners, you've possibly made some additions structurally prior to planting. You might have added in drains or shelter net or whatever it is, and you're ready to start planting. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna go through the five difficult areas that we're talking about. And I'll name some plants now again, this is a, a list of about 10 different plants, some, some trees, some shrubs, but they're plants that are pretty, pretty good for these particular types of, of situations. They are not, by all means, the, the only list. There is other plants that you can add in, but they're certainly solid go-to options to start with if you're, if you're not sure what's going to work. And as I say, that, that might change over time. So as you do your planting of these type of plants, 
it might actually change the dynam dynamic of the site a little bit. It might come become a little bit more sheltered. You might be filtering the wind a little bit, or maybe a big tree in a wet site might actually create a dry area directly underneath it or a, a drier area underneath it. So it will allow you to try new things then as you move along. But these are sort of bulletproof, solid options, uh, 10 plants within each. So we'll start with shaded areas. Now, you can have different types of shaded areas, obviously. You can have dry shaded areas and damp sh shaded areas. But these plants are pretty much guaranteed to grow in any type of, of shaded area. And luckily enough here, you can, you can add in some bulbs and things as well. So starting through starting at the top uh, hostas so hostas are a beautiful plant now in terms of varieties from what i believe there is in the region of two to three thousand different varieties of hostas but no matter what hosta you're talking about and you'll see them with green green and yellow leaves uh, silver and green leaves and pure green leaves and so on so there's lots of different options but they would pretty much guaranteed to grow in shaded areas get bigger so they form a clump and they get bigger every year now they do die back down in the winter time so you you plant them you'll have lush growth and then that completely dies back in the winter time you do have some flower stalks on certain varieties but it completely dies back in the winter time and then in the, in, in the following spring they'll come back up and they will have uh, extended outwards so they become slightly bigger and slightly wider so that's a beautiful option really good plants solid they're something that you can split later on as well and move them around the site so you can you can buy one or two or three plants and then divide them as time goes on the next one is ferns now i've never actually grown a fern myself but they are absolutely beautiful um, there's a lot of types again i wouldn't be overly familiar with the varieties of them but they're really solid options in a shaded area so ferns is a good one then we have fatsia japonica really nice plant as well the next one then is primulas and this is a really good option again because primulas will give you flower they they also self-seed so if you have a primula in a certain area they will self-seed so you can see little varieties of it popping up uh, close by and again they can be moved but they give a splash of color which is quite can be quite difficult in shaded areas and uh, they come in lots of different colors yellows pinks reds and so on so you have loads of options there but most of the primula varieties then you have bulb options so bluebells snowdrops um, oxalis and they create much like in a woodland so you create a woodland sort of area within that shaded area so they're they're options that that you can add in and they work really well with trees they multiply over time as well so again if you put in you know a dozen snowdrops eventually you'll see that they've spread the same for bluebells so your area is improving all the time so that's a really good option there Another good one is Hydrangea cursifolia. It's oak leaf hydrangea, and really nice white flower on it. So that's a good one. Another one is Heuchera purple palace. So that's a purple leaved perennial plant. Stands out really well, it's a deep purple. Looks very, very attractive, especially against dark green. So you get the dark green and the purple beside it, so it looks really good. Another one then is Saracoque humilis which is sweet box is the, is the common name for it. It's a very small evergreen with a, a really glossy leaf and has a beautiful flower on it with a nice scent actually. You'll, you'll recognize that one I'd say. So there are just some options. Now I'll, I'll do a blog on this as well and we'll put all the 10 options on the website. But they're 
they're good starting points for a shaded area. The next area we're talking about is wet ground. Now this can be the most difficult because most plants don't like sitting in water. But there is some plants that will work. Depends on how wet the actual site is. You may actually need to think of it a little bit like um, say the edge of a pond and you might need to lean a bit more towards marginal plants or, or that type of plant to get you know, to be really successful. But if you're in you're in wet ground and it's pretty normal wet ground, we'll give you a list of, of, of some options here. The first one is Cornus alba, which is dogwood. Now, when this plant is in full leaf, it isn't overly impressive, to be honest. It's when the leaf falls off it in the, in the autumn time that it becomes most impressive. So it has really bright red or really bright white stroke yellow stems on it. It gets quite big, so you do need to keep it trimmed, but that, that new growth of stems are a vibrant, really vibrant color that stand out particularly, as I say, in the wintertime. In the summertime, it becomes full of leaf, but isn't overly impressive at that stage of year. But in terms of winter color, really, really nice. The stems themselves actually can be used for if somebody's getting creative and they want to have their own flower arrangements. The, the red stems are quite nice at Christmas time and so on. So that's a very good option. And I would say guaranteed to grow in wet soil. The next one is Iris Pseudochorus. It's a yellow flower and it's more or less a marginal plant or a marginal plant is essentially one that will grow at the side of a pond so I actually have one of those or two of those in the garden where I have a very wet one particular very wet spot well it's a funny flower but actually because one part of it is extremely dry it's on a slightly on a bank but then the the other side of it is sap and wet completely pretty much all year round because there's a field just up above it and all the water off the field kind of drains to this point and it comes through that flower bed. Now ideally I would have ran maybe a, a, a drain right around the site and took that water away before it came in but it's just an, air, an area that I have a little bit of a challenge with. But I do have a couple of these irises there and they basically flower every year, big yellow flower on it. Then they die back in the winter time and you think there's nothing there but then they come back stronger the next year and bigger the next year. So it's a really, really good option, and I know for sure that that grows in extremely wet conditions. The other one that's actually beside that, and I have a couple of them as well, is a Lobelia cardinalis. It has a red flower, it has purple foliage, a perennial plant again, so it comes up in the spring and then dies completely back in the winter. Really good, solid option, and it's in a, an extremely wet spot there, and it has come back for the last six or seven years, no problems at all. So that's Lobelia cardinalis. And there's a few other options and I'll put the full list of 10 plants up onto the website as well. The, if you want to go for trees on a wet site, you, you can do things like the alder so, or the alnus. So that's a, that's a common tree. It's, in terms of the tree itself, it's not overly impressive. But if you, you, it will guarantee to grow on a, on a wet site, number one. But secondly, if, if you have a really wet patch of ground, what this can do is guarantees you some form of growth then eventually that tree, as it matures, will start to create a drier area with underneath it. And that will allow you to maybe plant something else in or underplant that tree. So it's a very, very good solid option in wet ground. Betula pendula is the silver weeping birch. Again, a beautiful tree. So that's a really good option. Grows well in wet soil. And actually that flower bed that I'm talking about, I have four Betula jack de Monte there. 
and some of them are in in a very wet part of that and they're all doing extremely well and that again is a beautiful tree so betula trees particularly the pendula will be really nice you'll have a great chance with that the willow trees so all willow trees essentially which are the salix trees but the one the one that would be really beautiful is often seen as a sort of a specimen tree is the salix babylonica pendula so that's the long it's the one the weeping willow with the long draping branches that you see it normally normally you'll see it as a specimen tree along a lake or a river or something like that it's really really nice and that is guaranteed to grow in your in your wet ground other options then you have the sambucus negra which is the elder trees again they have pink flowers it's sort of a large a large shrub stroke small tree sort of a sort of a plant uh, but again it will it will grow in that wet ground so that's kind of a few of those good options and again I'll put that full list up on, on the on the site. The next area of challenge is slopes. Now this this one is a regular one and to be honest you probably get it. A lot of gardens have some form of slope on it and there's lots of options here. There what you see though at times is that somebody gets a particular plant and they put nothing else on the bank and it can it can look a little bit boring at times. So there is options so it might be worth you know, mixing it up a little bit, putting maybe, as I say, a couple of rocks in it, that might allow you to get an alpine or two in around that, or get a mix of plants so that you're not just going with one on it. So the plants that work well, one of the best, there's several cotoneasters that will work, but one of the best ones is the queen of carpets. The reason this one is the best is that it grows really, really tightly. So some of the cotoneasters, they cover down slopes quite well, but they do have quite a loose growth, which means that you can get root, uh, weeds coming through, which obviously we don't want. But the queen of carpets grows really, really tightly and doesn't allow weeds to come through. So if you're planting them close together, they knit into one another quickly and they create a mat that basically nothing else will grow under it, which is ideal. The next one then is Persicaria Darjeeling Red. Now this is a beautiful plant. The only caveat with it though, it spreads like crazy. So you definitely, you need to be able to contain it. So if you have a bank where you, you, you don't mind if it runs wild on it, it's a great option. It really does spread, has beautiful red flowers on it, knits in really close together. So again, you, you tend not to get, okay, for the first year or two, you do need to possibly weed in between it. But after that, it, it fills in completely and doesn't allow any weeds come through. So it's a really, really good option. Others then you have the Rubus tricolor, which is the decorative bramble, so purple leaf bramble. Seeing all this Reapens, which is the California lilac, that's a beautiful one with blue flowers, really dense growth, forms a big mound, but looks really well. Um, it's also good for bees, so bees like that one. Then you have all the Ericas, so they're the headers basically. So you can get the winter flowering and the summer flowering ones. They Probably the best ones are the Erica carnias. They flower from January roughly until April, and they knit in together again they form a mound and especially if you put them on a bank that is not going to be there's not going to be any travel on they will knit into one another and you kind of don't have to touch them for a long period of time but they do the spread join into one another and they can create great flower at that time of the year so that's what i was saying at the start if you if you have a mix of plants you can get a little bit of variance in it so you're not just looking at the same thing pretty much all year round so it's good to mix it up and try different ones in it but definitely there's a couple of good options. There's there's also Lanisera pilata, 
which is the boxwood honeysuckle. It's a very, very dense plant, dark green foliage. Again, looks well, knits in together, stops the weeds coming up and, and can create you know, a good solid covering of a bank or a slope that's, that's quite difficult. So again, we have 10 options there and I'll put them on onto the blog as well. Now, the next thing I wanted to talk about was exposed coastal sites. Now, as I said earlier, I don't know anything about coastal planting. I've never actually planted anything near the coast. I don't live near the coast. I live as far inland as I could possibly be. So it's something that I just don't have experience of. So I've asked uh, somebody who would know, as I said, Fintan Keane has helped me with this one. And the list, the list that he's given me are plants that I know but I've never actually planted them myself, particularly on a coastal site. So you have Olerias. There's a good few different types here. The Olerias are the daisy bush. They work extremely well. So Cordelline Astralis is another very good one. That works really well. Then you have Spartium Junicum, which is the, bro the broom. Everyone's familiar with that. So it's the yellow flower on it. It looks really well and grows extremely well in coastal sites. You have the Eliagnus. Then there's a couple of trees that work really well. So you have the Sorbus area, which is a grey, almost silvery type leaf, a really nice leaf on it, particularly when it's opening up in the springtime, and that's well capable of growing on, on tough coastal sites. Another one is the Bay Laurel, or the Laurelus nobilis. Really vigorous plant, grows quite thick and quite strong, can be used for cooking, and good thing with it is if it starts to get out of hand, you can cut it back hard and it doesn't doesn't have any effect on it so really really tough tree others include the eucalyptus so eucalyptus gunai a very fast growing and again can be cut back if, it, if it's starting to get out of hand can be cut back but gives you a bit of height on a coastal area uh, pinus nigra which is the black pine that's another one sorbus intermedia which is a swedish white beam and all of those trees will, will work well on coastal sites you have a couple of other shrubs then as well, Eliagnus and Tamarics and so on. So that's coastal areas. As I say, it's not an area of expertise for myself, but I still have a list of 10 plants there that will that will work for you. The final one then is cold and exposed sites inland. Now, this is a very, very common one. And I think the key here is what we said earlier, is to try and create layers that are filtering the wind. So if you put it, something solid there the wind will come it'll hit off it uh, it'll go up and over but if you're able to filter the wind by lots of different plantings in different heights so you might have trees hedges and shrubs all combined together and all working together and what they do is they filter the wind so you're getting that strong wind coming in on on, on the exposed site but it's being filtered by all these different plants and as you move through the flower beds then you're able to create, as I say, little pockets, maybe little areas that the wind is broken, so you're able to grow something that maybe otherwise wouldn't have wouldn't have grown. But you won't get to do that on day one, so you need to start with these bulletproof options first. So in terms of shrubs, we have the Viburnum opalus, which is the the Gilda rose. And these are big balls of, of, of white flower, and they look really well. So that's a great option, Viburnum opalus. Other options then are spirea, and you have lots of options here. Most of those will work. They're quite tough, and there's lots of different colours. So you get the green leaf spireas and sort of an orangey leaf spirea and so on, and they, they will do quite well. Another beautiful one is the smoke bush or the Gatinus 
royal purple. Uh, so it has purple foliage, uh, big vibrant colours again. So if you're mixing it with the viburnum, you'll get two nice contrasting plants close together. Another good one is the Keria japonica, which is a yellow flower. It's called the marigold bush. Very good option. And then in terms of trees, so you have common sycamore will grow on a on a exposed site. Lime trees are the tilia caudat. You have beech, whether that's a hedge or a tree, again will will grow on those type sites. Crotagus or the hawthorn. Now this is the common hawthorn, the Crotagus monogana, and that'll have a white flower, and it can be overlooked a little bit as being, you know, a bit agricultural. But to be honest with you, the flower on it is beautiful, and if it's if it's used in the correct way, you can have a really really nice hedge or even a tree from it. So it's a very good option. I wouldn't rule it out, and it definitely will grow on an exposed site. Another one then is sorbus. So the sorbus is the the roan or the mountain ash. Very good autumn color from this one. So again, that's something you would add in for a bit of contrast. It also has berries, and as I say, good autumn color on it. So they're they're good options. So that's the list. It's basically five different difficult sites or areas within the garden and 10 plants within each areas. It's something that has been requested by listeners. So a good few asking about uh, growing on slopes, good few asking about wet ground. One person asked on coastal areas, and as I say, didn't know much about that. So thanks to Filton Keane for his help on that one. But don't give up. It might be a difficult site, but you will be able to master it. Talk to your local gardeners, talk to look people in the local area, have a look at what other people are growing, what's working, what whose garden looks well close by. And from there, you'll be able to start piecing together your own garden and you will be able to master it over time. So it's really important, to, as I say, not to give up just because it's a difficult, difficult spot. That's been this week's episode. It's a little bit shorter than the previous ones have been. Next week we have another solo episode and we've some very, very good interviews coming up as well. Recorded an extremely inter interesting one the other day. I think a lot of people will like it where we're going to be showing how it's going to be possible for people to grow sweet potatoes in, in Europe, which is a very, very new concept. So really interesting, really interesting chat and some great information on that. So that's coming up in a couple of weeks time. That's been this week's episode. As I say, I put the full list of plants up on the website, which is www.mastermygarden.com. If you want to get in contact to request anything to be covered in an episode, please let me know. You'll find us on Facebook, John Jones at Master My Garden, or Instagram at Master My Garden. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with all your gardening friends. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I hope that if you have a difficult site, you're going to get some benefit from it. These are pretty much, as I said, bulletproof plants, so... Go to them as, you, as your starting point and then you can build on that. So thanks for listening. And until the next time, happy gardening. Mm -hmm.